Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. This week on It Starts With Attraction. Even if you've put, built in a lot of things to help walk through the process of depression, anxiety, panic, um, loneliness, it doesn't mean that it's always going to go away. And, uh, and that's frustrating. Uh, but I will say before I tell you kind of that is um, oddly, it usually or oddly, at least up to this point, it's became the most beautiful times also because of what I've learned in the process, mm-hmm. the growth that's been done in the process mm-hmm. where I like to say kind of lean into it. I don't want to walk away from it. I don't want to numb it anymore. I don't want to uh, neglect the pain that I'm feeling. And I want to lean into it a little bit and understand where it's coming from. There's a process to falling in love, and it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. Have you ever felt alone? Like even though you may be surrounded by tons of people, friends, family, even people that love you, you still feel like you aren't really seen or you aren't really heard. We talk about that in this episode of It Starts With Attraction. Today's guest is Ben Higgins. He is an author, a speaker. He's the host of a podcast called Hope Still Wins, but you may know him most from his season that he was on The Bachelor. He was on The Bachelorette, but then he was The Bachelor in season 20 on ABC's hit series. He gained millions of followers and a huge platform after coming off of that show. And he really wanted to do something good with it and do something that provided value to the world. And we talk about his experience, his life struggles, all of the things that he has dealt with. Well, not all of them, but we talk about a lot. He was really open, really vulnerable. It was a great conversation. And I was honored to get the chance to speak with and get to know Ben Higgins a little more. And I know that you will be too. Let's dive in. So Ben, I saw on your Instagram feed that you just celebrated a birthday in Israel. Yeah. Is that is that right? It is. Yeah. I walked into Jerusalem at 33, which is not planned, but it happened. How cool uh, is that yeah, though? It was, it, was, uh, it was pretty special to be there. And it was just a random trip that my, my church in Denver was taking. And so mm-hmm. we signed up for it, kind of not even thinking it would fall on my birthday. If you're anything like me, you could probably talk the whole time about it. But what was, I mean, how was that for you? What was your favorite part? Yeah. You know, Israel is so complex. It is true. You could talk about it for, um, for hours and hours and still not get it all completed or get all your thoughts out. So to summarize it, some of my favorite parts, um, was learning about the geography of it all, how close it all, you know, you know, as I, I am a Christian 
So when I speak about you know how close it all was, that's the reference I'm giving. And so um, I didn't realize uh, how small Israel is. I didn't yeah. realize how small the Sea of Galilee is. Um, those things were really intriguing to me to kind of understand mm-hmm. that uh, no matter what faith tradition you follow, um, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, your history comes from a very small region that birthed out into the world now. Right. Um, I also, my favorite part was honestly the sea of Galilee. Uh, it was an intense trip with a lot of, um, travel and lessons learned and teachings. And, um, it was just like, it was like taking a two week college course. I felt like, um, yet a lot more fun. (laughs) <laughs> and the Sea of Galilee was like very relaxing for me. I needed it hit yeah. kind of at the right time where it was like peaceful. Uh, we got to stay on the lake, um, kind of look out over the lake and see that, you know, Rome owned, had a side and the fishermen had a side and Tiberius had a side and mm-hmm. just all this stuff going on in a lake that's not that big. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big. Uh, sure. You can see across it. And so... Um, I, I think it was, it was, it, my favorite part was the, how much I got, I learned and how much mm-hmm. I took away from it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I celebrated a birthday a couple of years ago in Israel as well. Ah, good for you. So shared experience. Yeah. That's right. that was fantastic experience, but so many questions I have to ask you. I could ask you a hundred more about Israel, but there's way more that I want to get to. Um, and of course, we have to start with where several people, yeah. millions of people, are going to know you from, which is your time that you were on The Bachelor. Yeah. So I have to ask this at the beginning, which is what was it that led you to want to go on The Bachelor? What did that process look like? I mean, were you just wanting the the time on the screen? Like what, mm. or were you really looking to find marriage? Hmm. Neither. Um, oh. I would say I, uh, you know, it hit at the right time in my life. I was 25 years old. Mm. I had, uh, I had just moved to a new city. I, uh, had, uh, gotten broken up with from a relationship that I had in college. I moved to Denver to kind of get a fresh new start, took a new mm. job, one that I mm. was not very good at. Mm. And uh, didn't have a lot of friends out here. I still live here now. Um, wasn't dating. And honestly, just I felt like I wasn't creating any stories. I wasn't building anything into my life. I was kind of just in this like robotic, repetitive lifestyle where it's go to work, come home, fix dinner, watch TV, go to sleep, wake up, go to work. And Saturdays and Sundays you know, we're, we're very lonely and, and oftentimes kind of met me sitting at my apartment at the time and kind of hanging out. And so somebody from my office kind of recognized this in me and said, Hey, you, you need to go do something else. And I said, I agree. I just don't know what that thing is. And she brought up, Hey, well, how about you try out for this bachelorette show? And so it was really that. Um, and why I said it wasn't the TV time. Because I honestly, I didn't even think too much about that until the first night when you show up and there's cameras everywhere and there's hosts and there's production. Like I didn't understand how that world worked. Mm. Uh, and then the, the marriage side of it, I didn't go on to it thinking I'm going to get married from this. Uh, I, I wasn't against the idea of it. I wasn't saying it's not going to happen. I just I was more going on to it to try to shake life up a bit, to try to. Mm 
do something abnormal that felt like it could bring a story into my life that I could share with my friends. And I think a side of it too was, um, I'm not going to say this very eloquently because I don't know how to say it, but I think based on my insecurities and my knowledge of where I was at in life, I just wanted to do something that felt cool. I wanted to do something that felt like, uh, made like that made me interesting. And cause I didn't feel very interesting at the time. Hmm. Well, it definitely shook life up a bit. I'm guessing that. Yes, it did. What, and so when you were on the show, were you, I mean, there's how many girls to start with? It's 25. Is that right? Yeah. So I started on the bachelorette where it's all the guys and, and one girl. And then I went to become the bachelor where they're, okay. I forget how many exactly like 25 to 30 girls. And I was the only guy. What were the things you were looking for when you were trying, when you would have to choose who was going to stay and who was going to mm-hmm. go? I mean, it changes as you go on. Initially, it's a lot of physical attraction. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of it is too, like having your like radar on for who isn't a match for you. Maybe um, somebody's a little more hostile. Maybe they like drama. Maybe they're um, feeling like they don't click in the conversation with you. So uh, almost seeing immediately like, hey, who just feels off? Me not Mm -hmm. off as a human but off when it comes to our relationship, who doesn't feel like this is going to work out with. And I think those two things initially, as time goes on, you start asking yourself the question, like what kind of person do I believe could be my life partner? Like, what am I looking for when it comes to the characteristics of, of somebody that could stand beside me and that I could stand beside them. Mm-hmm. So that as later on in the process, that becomes more and more of the conversation of what, what characteristics are important to me. It was really the first time in my life I had ever asked myself, like what things are really important to me and also what things excite me about a partner. Uh, and if I match theirs and they match mine, then like maybe we can make this work. That happened later on, but it happened. Mm-hmm. You speak openly about your faith, the fact that you're a Christian. Yeah. Was there any point, either being on the show or even after the show or before the show, that your beliefs and values were challenged? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I mean, I came from a very small, very conservative, very Christian town in northern Indiana. Mm. I love that town. Uh, It's a great town. It's not the best town to get a picture of the world. Um, (laughs) And so I came on this show and walked into LA and for the, I mean, I'd never been to LA until the show. And so all of a sudden you get on a set with a bunch of people pulling things out of you emotionally and asking you really hard questions and producers asking you really hard questions about why you stand for what you stand for. And then Mm. your former or your, castmates, um, spending a lot of time just talking about life and knowing that, um, I spoke openly about some values and some morals that I had, but also knowing like some of those values and values and morals didn't match up to what they knew of as a, what they would think of as a Christian. So like I maybe was a little more lenient on things. Maybe I didn't see the world in the same way. And so having people ask you, why do you stand for that? And why don't you stand for this was tough the whole time. And also, you're, you know, one of the greatest gifts I believe in my faith is God's gift of community to us. So friendships, relationships, family, 
when you go on a show like that, that's all taken away from you. You don't have a cell phone, you don't have internet, you don't have TV to like connect with these people anymore. And so Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of it was being on on my own island and really leaning on um, my God to support me, to pray to, to give me some clarity, those things. Like, and a lot of times I I trusted my friends and my family in that. And so it was a test of faith. I I don't feel like it was at any level. It wasn't a great thing. Um, It brought me closer. It it gave me a lot of time to meditate. Uh, You just don't do a lot when you're not on dates. And so you have a lot of time just to start thinking. And, uh, and the more I thought and the more I meditated and the more I kind of processed in my thoughts, the, um, the closer I, I got, uh, I felt like, um, to, to, to God. Mm, that's good. You have written a book. It's called alone in plain sight. Yeah. And the tagline is searching for connection when you're seen, but not known. Mm. You kind of mentioned at the beginning of this saying you were looking to shake things up in life. And that's one of the reasons you went on The Bachelor. Did you feel this way before going on The Bachelor? Or was it something amplified after? No, before. You know, it's hard. I I even have friends now from the show that almost um, joke at me about that. Uh, you know, my, I, I think my, my, I know my storyline was I was unlovable. I didn't mean it like I wasn't lovable. I had great family that loved me and friendships that loved me. I felt like I was unlikable. I felt like the more I was myself and the more people would get to know me, the less they would like me. Um, hmm. And, uh, and as a result, uh, the less they would want to invest into me. Um, and so, that's always been an insecurity. It hasn't gone away. It's still something even in my marriage that I have to um, stay attuned to, to make sure that I'm not putting that onto my wife and putting those pressures and onto her. Um, But it's always been there. It's been there since I was a kid. I felt like the outsider. I felt like uh, I, I didn't fit in. I felt like there was something different about me. Um, which, you know, it's why the Truman show, the old movie with Jim Carrey freaked me out so much. That's kind of how I felt my life was that like everybody else was in on something that I just didn't understand. Um, which is funny that then I go on to be on reality television because that just heightens the insecurity, but no, it's, it's always been there. And, um, it's why I wanted to write about it because I, I, I thought, okay, if I have felt this way, when a million, when millions of people have watched me on television and criticized me, but also give me a lot of support, then um, how's the teenager feeling who has no clue what their life's about to bring, um, but maybe has some pain and sorrow in their own life, and they're swirling, swirling in circles, not knowing where their community is going to come from or, or what tomorrow is going to bring. How are they handling it? How are they feeling it? And do they feel alone? So I want to write a book to for anybody out there who has felt alone. So maybe think, say that, hey, if I felt alone and you felt alone, by default, we're not alone. <laughs> With being on The Bachelor, and you even said, you know, there's millions of people watching. There's tons of people who are going to criticize because that's just what they do. Did you ever fall into, or were you like this before, being a people pleaser? Like wanting to take, listen to the, what they were saying that was negative and try and say, well, I have to change then because I have to measure up to what these other people are wanting. Was that something you struggled with at all? Definitely. I mean, yes. And and I think, um, yeah, I mean, most of that became apparent after the show for me. 
because the criticism became so strong. So again, and and this is not a feel sorry for me. This has been a great thing with whole new opportunities. Um, I I was very insecure, Um, like very lost uh, would be the best way to say it. I had a job I wasn't good at. I wasn't dating. I didn't have any friendships in the, in the area that I lived in. Um, I was very disconnected from a lot of things. I was lost and I was just coming out of, um, like my addiction to painkillers. And so at the same time, I'm trying to figure out how to handle pain and discomfort inside of me without using substances to do that. And so I was just very insecure, very lost. And then I go on the show pretty much immediately following all of this and get a, a lot of criticism. I wouldn't, I don't know. You can't quantify like more or less, but you get criticism. You, you hear things about you, your appearance, your personality, um, your, your intentions that hurt. Uh, and so finally, after enough time of pleasing those criticisms and investing into them and paying attention to them and going, they must be right. Again, everybody else knows something I don't. So if they're saying this, then they must know more than I do about myself even. Uh, I started to go to counseling. And one of the things that helped with that was understanding that listening to criticism isn't ter- isn't bad. Um, filtering it through a system though, that you put in place in your life is very healthy. And so when you hear a criticism, um, let's say about my purpose on going on the show, do I know my purpose of going on the show? I do. So were my intentions good? Yes, they were good. I mean, in my opinion, they were fine intentions, uh, for going on a a show that shakes life up a bit. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody criticized that, you go, okay, what were, what were your intentions? Uh, were you trying to help or trying to hurt? Um, and then if their criticism is true to those things, then maybe you listen to it and say, hey, I got to check myself. My pride's getting in the way here. My ego's getting in the way here. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe they aren't all wrong. But if the criticism then doesn't match those things, then you can ignore it. Um, and it's not the, hey, I'm just going to do me mentality of nobody can tell me what to do because I don't ever want to be that way. Yeah. But it's the, I've heard what you said. I've listened to what you said. I just can't agree with that um, right now in my life. Either help me understand where you're coming from. And typically when you ask somebody who criticized you to help you understand where they're coming from, they back down and say, I didn't mean it. Um, or they maybe have a really good reason for why you, you know, they don't like you or why they're criticizing you. And then um, maybe you'll learn from that. But I just don't, there's a callousness that is brought on. There's a toughness, I think to being able to be criticized without it paralyzing me any longer Mm. in fear and in confusion uh, that I really am thankful for uh, because it's helped me now progress into my, you know, thirties with a little more confidence and and a lot more Mm -hmm. of a foundation. Mm -hmm. Have you also found though, that it depends on who's saying it? Yeah. So, I mean, would you weigh it as much with a random YouTube comment versus your best friend or your dad. Not at all. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. spot on. Yeah. So, um, that, that is another criteria is who's, where's this coming from? Is this coming from a place of love and care and support? Or is this coming from a place of somebody just angry and wanting to lash out? You know, um, the other problem is it, or is it coming from a robot online that doesn't even right. exist? It doesn't even have a soul, but they're just there to be mean. They're made oh to be mean and to, to put people down who have a falling that happens too. That's not a conspiracy theory. That is something that exists in our world that everybody I I think at this point could understand that happens. 
Um, so yes. And, and I also, part of that counseling process was, uh, doing something that I, I think is so healthy and I recommend to anybody is building a group of people in your life that you do listen to, um, and that will listen to you, uh, no matter what you've done or no matter where you're at, you know, if I'm having issues in my marriage, I know they're going to be there to support me, to listen to me, to not say, Oh my gosh, you're the worst human in the world for thinking this. They're going to say, okay, tell us where this is coming from. Let yeah. us hear you out here. Um, and so it was building in four or five friendships and, and my, and my family to be that confidant and to be that accountability in my life to help me continue to progress forward and to continue to give me a better perspective when things felt chaotic and unclear. Hmm. So being intentional about building community, that's one probable way of com combating loneliness, but what are some other ways that you went from feeling lonely, unseen, unheard to, mm. well, to what? Where are you now? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I think the first thing I would say is there, I don't know if there is ever a um, moment where it's like, okay, now I'm good. Now I'm mm. seen, now I'm heard, now I'm understood. And I think that's part of the process too, is understanding that um, these emotions and these feelings aren't necessarily bad. Um, they're not always healthy, um, but sometimes they're giving a glimpse and a perspective into uh, where your heart's at or, or what you're missing um, and what you're needing to lean more on. And so some of the tips to the trade that I give is to speak into yourself uh, who you know you are. If you're somebody of faith, I recommend speaking into yourself um, who you know you are in, uh, in the face of God. Uh, and, and how you were created. And in, in the Christian tradition, you know, we believe that we were all made in the image of God. What does that mean exactly? Like when you look at yourself or when you look at your neighbor, or when you look at your friend, what does it mean to be made in the image of something far greater than any one of us? Um, that's powerful. And so speaking that truth into yourself, uh, getting a foundation of truth there. Uh, the next is building the community. That's, uh, Huge. It can be a community of one. It can be a community of two. It can be a community of five to 10 and whatever. But build a community of people that you trust um, and that you've asked maybe intentionally and said, hey, I love you and I trust you and I like the way that you function in this world. And so I want to lean on you, if you don't mind, for guidance and accountability and support. Um, I can't think of a bigger compliment to myself uh, than somebody asking that of me. Saying, Ben, I trust you um, with my deepest and heaviest thoughts and my worst things that I've done. Uh, and, uh, and I just need you to be there alongside of me when those moments happen um, without judgment or shame but and support. And an amazing compliment you can give somebody. And then hopefully that if, you, if you've picked the right person, they reciprocate that and do a great job. Uh, I also recommend um, understanding that uh, there is a God. Uh, greater than us. You know, I, I I believe there is a God at least, and that God is greater, um, that we aren't the biggest things out there, um, that, that we aren't the greatest things to walk this earth. And so if that humbles us or it should humble us, and if you're not somebody of faith, maybe I'd even recommend just having that thought that you're not the greatest thing out there. Because, I mean, if you do believe that you are the greatest thing to walk this earth, you and I have a lot to talk about. Um, and so even if that isn't something that you necessarily can believe in faith, maybe you can believe it in just the life that you've lived. Mm -hmm. Um, the final piece is, um, really speaking to yourself, uh, the idea that you're not alone. Mm 
And so as I mentioned a little bit ago, um, just by default, if I felt alone and you felt alone, or if I've struggled with something and you struggled with something, or if I feel um, depressed and anxious and panicked out and you felt depressed, anxious and panicked out, um, just by default, you, you aren't running this race alone. Uh, and, I, and I can guarantee you uh, that every human, that one of the, the thread lines through my whole book and through the things that I've learned in life is that every few human has experienced some sort of pain and sorrow. Uh, it actually might be more common that ev- I could probably say with more confidence that every person's experienced that more than somebody's experienced success and mm-hmm. joy and peace, mm-hmm. um, that every per- person has experienced some type of pain and sorrow. And so as a result, when you look at the grocery store at a stranger, or you drive down the road and you see somebody cut you off on the highway, you can assume that that person has felt hurt. And so when you felt hurt in your own life, how does that make you feel and how does that make you connect to the people around you? And it, I think it brings in a, a graciousness, um, a care, a love, a peacefulness into our lives. And we realize that no matter what we're going through, we're not alone um, because somebody else has experienced it too. Uh, that it helps us continue to take one step further, one step farther because if somebody else's can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I just have enough pride. I believe I can do it too. Um, maybe I can keep going also. And so, those are some of the ways that I recommend um, combating the loneliness and, and combating the idea that maybe you don't feel seen or understood. Mm, that's so good. And we'll include, of course, uh, where people can find the book Alone in Plain Sight in the show notes, but also you can get it wherever books are sold. Yeah. You mentioned the, oh, well, also before I move on to that, thank you for being open about those feelings because that's another way people gain. Hmm. I want to say the word confidence. I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe just the ability to say, you know what, if, if he has felt that way, maybe it's okay that I've felt that way and I can Hmm. talk about it. So thank you. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's why I wrote about it is, you know, Hmm. people say when you write a book, you write a book, not because you get to, but because you have to. And this Hmm. was something I felt like I had to do, especially with suicide rates going up, Mm -hmm. uh, loneliness and depression rates skyrocketing, Mm -hmm. doubling, um, yeah. over the last 15 years and I'm probably only going to continue. Uh, it felt like something I needed to say because I, mm-hmm. I am there and I've been there also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with the, I mean, it's one of the coolest things that's happened since the show is it's, it's handed me a platform for, mm-hmm. for at first, no good reason, just because I dated on national television. Now, um, my hope is that it's for a good reason that there's good things coming from it. And there's things that I enjoy doing, but also I feel like I get to do, um, with this platform now that maybe I didn't get to do before. I'll tell you a story real quick. I, um, I spoke at my, in my hometown that I was talking about, uh, a couple, a couple months ago. And I spoke to a bunch of people that helped raise me, um, mm-hmm. that walked alongside me, that cheered us on during high school sports, all those things. Right. And uh, they taught me a lot. Uh, I don't know if all of them know that, but I watched uh, growing up. I was watching how they functioned. And I stood up in this uh, fundraiser and spoke. And I, you know, before I spoke, I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. I'm speaking to a bunch of people that I don't know, like, like what to say to them. So I just started to talk off. I said, isn't it weird that uh, 10 years ago, I had the same thoughts, same feelings, same emotions I have today. But now because I was on a reality television show, I get to speak with you all. That I get to stand up in front of you all and share a message. That's Mm -hmm. odd to me. 
Uh, it means somebody in that audience, some young person in, in the high school there who maybe they, the town discredits or maybe they don't even think of probably has a message worth listening to. And so my point to all that is maybe we can start learning from everybody again. Maybe we can start listening to everybody again, the young, the old, um, the middle aged, because I think everybody has a message that's worth listening to. I'm just lucky enough that I went on you know, national television now where people are like, hey, we'll pay you to come talk. I'm like, all right. Sounds like a good gig. Yeah. yeah sounds like a great gig to me. You, in, in this theme of you being open about your mental health, um, there was a time, I believe, a year ago-ish that I was reading an article. I can't remember where I was reading it in, in preparing for our interview where you basically said, I'm taking time off. Like you didn't say the word sabbatical, yeah. but it was kind of like, I'm going back, taking some time just to think about things. Um, what was that like? Like, how did you, how did you notice that you needed a break? Mm-hmm. What were the things happening? And was it hard for you to admit it? Mm-hmm. And what did you learn during your time of a break as you were thinking about your legacy and what you wanted your future to hold? Yeah. You know, so it goes back to the point where like, even if you've put built in a lot of things to help walk through the process of depression, anxiety, panic, um, loneliness, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be go away. And, uh, and that's frustrating. Uh, but I will say before I tell you kind of that is, um, Oddly, it usually, or oddly, at least up to this point, it's became the most beautiful times also because of what I've learned in the process, mm-hmm. the growth that's been done in the process, mm-hmm. where I like to say, kind of lean into it. I don't want to walk away from it. I don't want to numb it anymore. I don't want to um, mm-hmm. neglect the pain that I'm feeling. And I want to lean into it a little bit and understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So usually when I do that, I learn a lot about myself and learn about things around me. And so I recognized it myself that time uh, with a lot of envy and a lot of jealousy. And so I was comparing myself to a lot of people, um, friends, uh, peers, uh, and saying, if only I had that. Or, wow, it's great that they have that, but I don't have anything. Um, You know, not even, not, it's, that sounds probably people assume financially. No, it's, relationships. It's uh, peace. It's mm-hmm. um, maybe it's even their ability to have a sense of humor on uh, social media. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of jealousy and envy and that became kind of constant in my life for a bit. And then it became uh, more of a uh, an unsettledness in my heart on uh, what am I doing that matters mm-hmm. at all? Uh, what am I, what have I done that matters at all? Who am I in this big system um, to to have any legacy. Uh, and that, that got pretty dark, pretty fast. Um, it got really, uh, a lot of like a lot of my value was in question personally. A lot of my, um, purpose was in question. Um, and so, uh, that next stage led into, um, a lot of, um, I'd say anger. Uh, I noticed it with, you know, at the time, my fiance, um, and my family, um, more than even my friendships, because I kind of kept it close to my chest around them. But, um, I was quick to anger with them. I was quick tempered. I was distant. I was pushed off. And so finally it came to a, a point where I felt like everything in my life was in chaos and everything was swirling around me and I had no grasp of anything. And so that's when I said, I need to figure this out. 
And so the place that kept calling me back was my hometown in Indiana. My parents live on a lake. I grew up on a lake. And I said, I, for whatever reason, this lake um, feels like a place of solitude for me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit. I'm going to watch the waves. I'm going to watch the birds. I'm going to sit in silence. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to go on walks uh, and just take as much time as I felt like I didn't know how much I needed to do it. And it was about a month of time there. And slowly but surely, as I did surround myself with those people I was telling you about, and I started to lean on them and started to open up to them and started to ask for their input into my life and their truth into my life, um, I started to feel like I was learning truth again. I was hearing truth again. I was I was hearing things about myself that, yes, I did need to change. And then things about myself that... Um, I could lean into and that I should be confident in. And I started to work my way out of it and learn that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's so simple maybe. Um, but I really felt like one of the lessons I learned there was why is it so hard for me to be happy for other people? Hmm. Like, um, what do I gain in my life by the jealousy and the envy and the resentment towards others? What benefit is that bringing me? Yeah. And once I started to hear that truth, it started to give my mind a switch to say, hey, when I see somebody um, enjoying a nice beach vacation or whatever, um, once every two weeks, instead of being like, gosh, they are ridiculous. Maybe just saying like, um, it's cool they get to do that. And and yeah. maybe just working that mental practice in my head of trying to find some excitement for somebody else. Um and, and that's, that was a good lesson for me. And it's, it's helped me to this day. Mm-hmm. That was really good and a hard lesson to learn, but yeah. a needed one, right? Yeah. What, what are you thinking in terms of, I mean, you've been um, doing, a, you have your own podcast. You are also on another podcast with another person. You have a book, uh, all these things, but what are, as you're looking forward the next mm-hmm. 10, 20 years, you're married now. What are you what are you thinking the next 20 years will hold? What do you want your legacy to be? Uh it's pretty simple really. I, I want to be known as somebody that gave more than they took. Mm. Um you know, all of these things, uh some of these things, like I mean, I want to be honest and say, like, hey, the almost famous podcast on iHeartRadio, you know what it really does? It supports generous coffee and it allows me to make money so that we can build a business that donates everything back. Mm-hmm. Um Outside of that, it's just a really good way for me to make money. Um, the other stuff has, uh, you know, maybe the purpose is more missional. It's not um, a financial benefit. It felt like something that I was enjoying doing and that I wanted to do um, for the benefit of myself and the people around me. You know, when it comes to Hope Still Wins, my other podcast, uh, that isn't a moneymaker for me. Um, it's just something I really enjoy. It's something that I believe we need to hear from leaders and voices in our world from all different faith traditions yeah. and all different political belief systems to hear why they believe what they believe and why they believe it so strongly and why people on the outside believe they're perfect. And maybe I can break through a little bit and show that they're not. Um, and so long term, I want to work with people uh, and, I, and I want to uh, I want to be a part of stories being created where people's lives are benefited somehow, some way. Um, That's my legacy desire. That's, that's what I'm going after at this point in my life. 
Uh, I'm doing a very average job at it at times. I'm doing a really good job at it at times. Um, and sometimes I do a terrible job at it. Sometimes my exact desire to make other lives better uh, comes in complete contrast to the fact that I'm really envious and jealous of a lot of people often. And so I've got to fight that and battle that and refine that and work through that and figure out why it is that I feel that way. But to me, that's part of the, the fun in all of this too. Um, and it's part of the, the, my purpose in all of this is to try to work through that so that um, I can be somebody that people look at long after I'm gone and just say, hey, um, he did all right. So you have been married almost a year. Is that right? November of last year. So we're going on, we're at five months tomorrow. Woo. Congratulations. Thank you. How has the first five months been? Really incredible. Um, a lot of that is because I have a tremendous partner. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves me. She desires me. She fights for me. She wants to know me. She wants to care for me. And she mm-hmm. also wants me to be the biggest, freest, and best version of myself. Um, I hope she would say something similar about me, but you'd have to ask her. Um, but from my side, it's been really, really great. It's not easy though. Um, marriage is not easy. And, uh, you know, we're so fresh into this, right? Like just figuring out how to raise a puppy together has been a whole new battle and experience. It's, it hasn't came without its, um, arguments and its uh, complications. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, been a part of it. It's also, you know, for me, there was a, uh, there was a level where my career, my least most recent career uh, and my identity was built on being single mm-hmm. and um, being a bachelor. Mm-hmm. And so for me to switch that from, from that to now a husband uh, hasn't been like mentally, uh, that easy for me. Um, and so I've had to give myself a lot of grace and, you know, switching gears here to now know my role to fulfill Mm -hmm. my role and to satisfy the needs and desires of my wife. Um, and that's, and kind of what people told me even before marriage, marriage will make you a better man. And I, I can see that now. Um, and that's awesome. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately like, when something somebody says, "Hey, this is going to make you a better human, better man," um, it's something I want to least listen to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and marriage has done that for me, and it's uh, it's helped. I, I believe it's helped me become um, a better human with being with Jess. Uh, and a lot of that again is credit to her and just who she is to me. Yeah, yeah, and isn't it? I mean, it's the marriage relationship is such a place to learn that selfless love. <laughs> right? And what that looks like. And we've been married 11 years. And so it's been 11 years of figuring out how to unconditionally love someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fun at (laughs) at times, very difficult at others. But, you know, you've mentioned your faith. I talk about my faith openly on the podcast too. It, for me, it brings a greater appreciation to what Jesus has done for us and how he sees us. You see it you see it played out in the ups and downs of marriage. So congratulations on five months. It's fantastic. (laughs) Here's to hundred more, hundreds more months, uh, thousands more months. That's right. You talked about generous coffee. So tell us more about 
what Generous Coffee does. It's more than just coffee. I was on the website looking around, wishing I could smell through through the t- through the computer how good all of it looked. But tell us more about that. Yeah. So, little backstory, because um, I think your listeners will find it maybe interesting. Is um, I went to Central America for the first time when I was 15 years old uh, with my family and a few friends and their families, and um, we saw poverty for the first time. And we also saw, you know, the eighties and nineties, um, and early two thousands felt like, uh, um, relief projects didn't have a sustainable side to them. It was, you know, Americans got, uh, really excited about the idea of going to help, but not understanding if they were helping or hurting. And we were seeing that at a young age. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we came back home. My buddies and I were all kind of upset because we were, you know, we, people would post pictures. People would wear really like bright colored Mm -hmm. t-shirts to show off that they've been on a missions trip Mm -hmm. and everybody would give them a round of applause. And it was like, yeah, but it feels like it's missing something here. It feels like this is very focused on myself and not so focused on the people uh, that we're working with. And so we started a nonprofit called Humanity and Hope United.org or Humanity and Hope United.org is the website. And um, the idea of that nonprofit is to ask people who are in poverty, what do you need? What do you want? What do you dream of? And then how can we help? Mm-hmm. So it's guided by the people in the, in the places that we work with. And so a lot of times that's clean water, education, jobs for women, jobs for men, mm-hmm. uh, better infrastructure, housing, uh, healthcare, et cetera. And they guide us. And then we go and we help work with them, uh, consult with them, fundraise with them, uh, build with them to build a more team aspect as we communicate, as we build these communities. So that's Humanity and Hope. Still operating today, still doing great. Um, come on a trip with us anytime. We'd love to have you. Well, uh, a few years ago, uh, in 2016, we were in um, Honduras uh, my buddy and I were kind of right after my time on the show and I was going through the crisis of what in the world was all this for? Um, my relationship at the time was struggling. Um, my uh, purpose on the show was confusing. Um, and so we went down there mostly just say, hey, let's have a buddy's trip and just like drive the countryside and see what's going on. On that trip, we kind of came up with the idea that what if um, all this thing, all this TV stuff was for a greater purpose. What if we, uh, use my platform to try to do something good. And so we started generous coffee company with the idea that we could sell a product, mostly coffee. Um, it is specialty grade coffee. So it is the best coffee that you can drink in the world. Um, and then donate hundred percent of the profits to nonprofits and, uh, social causes that are fighting for humans around the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing now with my full-time job since 2017 is when we launched, uh, is selling coffee, sweatshirts, t-shirts, mugs, tumblers, um, random tea, uh, and then donating those profits to nonprofits. And so if somebody's out there mm-hmm. listening and like, Hey, this sounds really cool. Uh, I want my coffee to matter in the morning. Great. You can go to generouscoffee.com and you can buy your coffee today. Um, but it's also hopefully even bigger than coffee. It's we, we kind of coined ourselves for purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of showing that for-profit business, um, if built correctly and operated correctly, can 
bring a huge benefit to this world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's generous. And, uh, and we would love anybody to go online and, and, and join us. It helps us continue to do what we said we're going to do, which is to fight for people who can't, you know, necessarily speak for themselves. Mm, that's good. How do you source the coffee? Uh, really all over the world. Um, so we have somebody on staff that goes out and finds specialty grade coffee. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's single origin. Um, in the coffee world, that what that means is it comes from one specific farm. Now, uh, just like any ag project, sometimes farms can produce more yield than other years. And so sometimes we have to switch gears and find a new farm. That's kind of always the, the process in, in finding single origin coffee. But we have somebody on staff that goes out and finds it. Uh, in Honduras, you can um, visit uh, one of our farms. Uh, you could really visit any of our farms if you really desired to. Um, but they exist. We get coffee from Africa, Central America, South America. Um, so kind of all over. Yeah. So I saw there was a blend called the Higgins, which is, I'm yeah. guessing, your favorite. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't. Um, we hired on a CEO um, to help me out who was very experienced about a year ago. and. Yeah, that was one of his ideas that would not have been something that I would have approved and gone after is naming coffee after myself. But yes, uh, we did. And uh, it is my it is my favorite. It's why they named it after me. And so we have the Higgins, we have the Fuller and we have the Drew, all of which are named after the three founders who agreed to put the capital up front to start this business mm-hmm. and then not ask for any return. Um because of our mission. And so we wanted to, we, we wanted to highlight the other two founders. Um, I just happened to, to also have to be a founder too. So they had to name a coffee after me. So yes, I love coffee. Definitely a coffee drinker. I definitely plan on checking it out. And I saw also there was a subscription model. Yes. Which is super fun. But what is the, what is your favorite blend? So if you were going to say, get one, is it the Higgins or do you it's have the Higgins? It's yes, the Higgins. it is. Okay. You got to go buy the Higgins. It's- <laughs> you got to go get it. It's, it's a dark roast, you know, coffee connoisseurs like a good light roast. So I'd recommend the fuller at that point, yeah. but the Higgins, I like a good, heavy, dark coffee in the morning. Um, and so um, the Higgins is it, it's not burnt. It doesn't have a burnt flavor to it. Yeah. Uh, I think you'll find that it would be one of your favorite dark roasts that you've ever tried. If you try it. What's the best light roast you have? The fuller. Okay. I'll get, I'll get both, but I think I'm more of a light roast person. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll see. Well, Ben, uh, final questions for you. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to to come on and be yeah, a part of, of this. But our our audience is all about wanting to become the best that they can be, focusing on becoming more physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually attractive. What is some parting advice that you would give to them? Either of things that you've done in your own life that have made you feel that way. Um, or things that, that you just say, you know, from my experience, this is what I, the advice and the hope I would give. Well, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I think everybody feels attractive in different ways. And so how I'd answer this is the way that I know um, for myself when I felt most attractive and then also when I've been most attracted to somebody else. And that comes down to curiosity, mm-hmm. um, you know, is somebody curious about the world? Are they curious Mm. uh, about learning? Are they curious Mm -hmm. about understanding? Are they curious about truth? 
Um, are they curious to find truth wherever it may lie and look for it and care for it mm-hmm. um, and desire it and to never stop learning? There's a curiosity mm-hmm. that um, also a curiosity about me um, when I'm most attracted to somebody else. It's that they've taken an interest in what makes me me. Uh, mm-hmm. Why is it that maybe there's something about me that they don't love or they don't like? Um, maybe they ask me to explain myself to sit in conversation with those things that that's always when I was dating and I still am dating uh, my wife uh, and we go on dates. It's always the most fun times we have is when we get some time just to be curious about each other um, and to lean into that. Now, physically um, physical uh, fitness is something very important to me because of my struggles with um, mental health. Uh, I need, I need to work out. Uh, it's something mm-hmm. that gives me some time to focus on my body, to focus on, take my, my mind off of the chaos of the world. And so I, I work out not as much anymore to get the six pack, even though that would be awesome in my thirties if that popped up for the first time. Um, but, uh, to stay mentally sharp, to stay, to stay focused and to give myself that time just to, um, to release whatever pressures and stresses around my life. And so, um, and that I think and as a result, that makes me more attractive, uh, because mm-hmm. I'm a healthier version of myself in all ways. Um, and, uh, and then I can take my puppy for a walk with my wife and she can see that I don't get super tired. She's like, you look hot. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. What kind of puppy is it? He is, uh, his mom was found in the desert, um, by a friend of mine. And she didn't know that she, that dog was pregnant with eight puppies when she found her. Um, so he is a Husky German shepherd, blue healer, and then a bunch of other stuff. But those are the three main ones. That's, that's and he's awesome. laying underneath me right now. Just chilling. He's being a good dog. Awesome. Well, where can our listeners find you online and what is the best way to connect with you? Uh, Higgins.bin on Instagram is the platform I use the most. I would love to say I was on TikTok. I haven't figured it out yet, and I don't know if I ever will. Generouscoffee.com is the best website to connect Mm. um, with me. Uh, Listen to Hope Still Wins. It's a podcast that I do uh, every Tuesday uh, that I really enjoy doing. So I'd love for people to listen so that it can continue Mm. to happen and continue to function and go on and on. Yeah. Um, And then, like I said, you know, Lone and Plain Sight, just Google it. It's going to be out there. Uh, and, and buy it. At this point, you could probably even get a soft cover or used book and that'd be cool too. i uh, just love for people to read it. Awesome. We will link to all of those things. Thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time and being with us today. Thank you. Here are my key pies takeaways from today's episode. I really appreciated how open Ben was about his struggles his vulnerability with the listeners, with the audience on even how he struggled with loneliness, his mental health, all of those came up, but also even sharing how he struggled with jealousy and envy. And I think it can be easy to look at people who have some fame and celebrity and say, well, they have everything, like we're jealous of them. But those feelings don't change just based on whether someone is more famous, less famous. Those are natural human emotions that anyone can feel at any time. We're all human has been reminded us, we have all experienced pain. We all have a story in our lives that is worth sharing, a message that we can share that is worth hearing. My question for you today is, do you believe that about yourself? And what can you do to surround yourself with a community of people 
who will support and encourage you to do what you should do with your life, to do what God has called you to do in your life. That's an important question and one you really should not take lightly. My second takeaway from today's episode, I loved Ben's answer to the question when I said, what is the hope you give to the audience? What ways do you work on physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual attraction? And he said, it's so important to stay curious. That answer reminded me of Dr. John Gottman's answer to a question I asked him about what makes marriage last. He said something very similar, but you should definitely go back and listen to my whole episode with Dr. John Gottman as well. Wow, that was a powerhouse of information. It was a really powerful episode. But Ben's answer really reflected that. He mentioned about how it's important to stay curious for ourselves, for us to keep growing and learning. But also, did you did you pick up on how he said, when my wife, when other people in my life are curious about me, how much more that helps him to feel seen, heard, and loved. This is why curiosity is so important. And then the third takeaway I have goes back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about situations that may challenge our beliefs and values. We have been doing at time of this release, the several weeks before we've been talking about spiritual attraction and beliefs and values. And in one of the episodes, I even talked about my struggle with how do I stay aligned and in tune with my beliefs and values, even in the midst of life being challenging and how those are some of the seasons that are the hardest, but also the most refining where Jesus feels the closest. But then there's another aspect of this as well, which is when you have a belief and value that is different from from the world, from society, from the people that you're with, are you going to stand strong on it? And can you do so with love and respect? All good things to take away. I would love to hear what your takeaways were. Please message me, DM me, follow on Instagram at Kimberly Beam Holmes. You can go find Ben on Instagram as well, Higgins.Ben. And be sure to check out his book, Alone in Plain Sight, and get his coffee. I know that I'm going to be ordering some today from Generous Coffee. Some of the light roast, that's for sure. Uh, And you can find that at GenerousCoffee.com. We'll see you next week.